check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. So nice, we had to play it twice. Uh, welcome to the show. It's Narrative Live on a Friday night. It's the after show. And we've got a very exciting show tonight because we're talking to Noel Kassler, who you see right there next to us. Um, he's a brilliant person to have on because for many years, six seasons of The Apprentice, he was able to get a firsthand view of what it was like to be inside the Trump inner circle when they were not the presidents of the United States and not the first family of the United States. They were reality show stars, so they were a little bit more uh, naughty, I should say. So hello, Noel, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dev, I appreciate you having me on. It's great to have you on. Also here, I'll be in LA and Greg Olier, Oliar, ah, there's a dollar, um, from New York. Uh, I'll be, you, you know Noel really well, so you can tell us a little bit about why his job was so interesting, and then we'll talk to him a little bit about what he, uh, the years that he spent there. I, I know Noel through Twitter. Uh, of all things, we never crossed paths, but I kind of can't believe we didn't, Noel. I just don't think I've ever seen Noel get a proper setup of actually what his job was and for people to really understand it. Because if, you, if you're gonna measure it and you're gonna measure time and sort of witnessing of events of Donald Trump and his spawn and what they were up to, um, I don't know that anybody had a front row seat like Noel for as long as he had it. Certainly, you know, Mary Trump is wonderful and I love her book and and I'm she's so brave and incredible and such a great writer, but she didn't see what Noel saw. She didn't she's see family. That. You know, family, family, family. They, they don't get to see as much as, uh, as the celebrity right. circuit. So, so Noel, tell us what it was. Right. Tell us what the job was tell all about. Tell us your job. Well, I worked in talent logistics since 1993 on in live television. So it's a very specific thing. You're basically, there's a small group of people that freelance and they go from show to show. So if you're watching the Super Bowl halftime show, that's the same people that are handling the talent on the VMAs, that are handling the talent on the, you know, Tony Awards, to the Grammys, the Oscars, all that stuff. And I did all that stuff for 20 years. Then you do smaller shows. You know, when you're free on a Sunday night, you want to make a buck or something, you do something like The Apprentice. And I took that gig as a lark because a friend of mine was the talent, you know, executive, and she needed what is known as like the A-team of talent handlers. I was kind of the top guy to handle difficult talent. Right. So you explain know? that. So explain what a yeah. talent handler what is. What is does that do? So like I worked with Michael Jackson. I worked with Madonna. If you're doing the VMAs and, and Michael Jackson are, is booked on the show and you're the producer and the director, you don't want to talk to him directly. You want a buffer. You want right. somebody who's polite and diplomatic who can deal with him and his management and then go back to the talent executive and explain what they need or explain to them why you're running late. You basically want a buffer between you 
if you're the producer of a show and the actual talent on a show. You, right. So so that's where my world came in. We're like mercenaries in live TV. We don't show up in the credits. <laughs> Everyone knows us, and they know that we can deal with these people. It's so because true. Because you can't, you can't go to school for that. You know, you call you in somebody who's already school. dealt with us. It's person, a very you know? rare skill. Right. It really is. It's very rare because you have to be diplomatic, but you also have to be funny. You do. You have to show up and get everybody. You have to keep them in the right headspace. And yeah. um, you have to be smart and you have to be quick and then you have to disappear um, yeah. while you're still in the room. That's it. That's it. So and that was my gig. You it. also get to hear a lot of secrets. Yeah. You get to see a lot of things that they right. would otherwise not yes. share with the world. And you're and sort well, of you're, they assume you're going to be completely uh, respectful and not share it with anybody else. And, and, and you you are and i was that's right. the other unwritten right. rule in my world is that you don't say anything you know i worked with michael jackson i've worked with bill clinton i've worked with madonna i've worked with elton john you know when stable he fired average TV. people no problem there at all yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but my point is you don't talk about it if yeah. you talk about it you're out of the business and i never talked about it until 2016 when i had to you know when i said i don't care if i work again this guy's a drug addict and everybody needs to know because he's unstable. I, I wanted to tell people what we saw. And, and also, I'll just say what everybody else saw. I'm not right. the only guy who saw this, you know, and there's right. people who saw a lot worse than me. Trust me. Because we've all said to each other and to everybody else that, you know, how is it possible that everyone who lived in New York was, wasn't aware of what this guy was like? And why did no one in the media really publish the truth about, uh, about Donald Trump? And the, the reality of it is people in New York did know. A lot of the people in, in the news business knew, and I was one of the people in the news business. I didn't get as close to him as others, but I certainly, you know, there were understandings that he wasn't the most uh, up and up kind of guy. The people at NBC in particular, I'll play a little uh, tape of that later on, they really were aware of what was going on. Um, and yet they kept right. bringing him onto their shows all the time and built up this persona through The Apprentice of this guy that was a stable leader. You know, he, regardless of what you thought of the show, which was you know, a lot of crap, but he came across as someone who was strong and powerful and could lead an organization for 10 years. It was but 10 seasons, I think. After 10 years of that, of that diet being fed to Americans in prime time, you would have assumed, hey, he could probably run the country. And, you know, as it turns out, he can't. So this was the, probably the biggest propaganda effort to try and create the next president of the United States. And whether they did it willingly or knowingly, who knows? But it certainly has, uh, that was the end result of it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Mark Burnett maybe had some eyes on a larger prize, but for the rest of us, or at least people in my world, Trump was a joke. You know, mm -hmm. I grew up in New York in the 80s. He was a punchline and everyone, no one took him seriously. He can't, you know, he, he can't read. Like he literally is like dyslexic, <laughs> like a three syllable word freaks him out. So nobody thought like this guy's going to be the president. And everybody, at least the people I knew in New York knew that, you know, he didn't have any business acumen. You know, everyone knows what he did. He, he laundered money, you know, and, mm. and he went out to clubs at night and chased models around and got high like that. Mm. The, the, I'll just, I'll shut up, but I worked on the beauty pageants oh, too. No, and this is what we want to hear. And, and, what you but hear. I remember this one anecdote <laughs> always sticks out. You know, I'd seen him like right before I worked on the, on the a pageant, I was doing a VMAs, you know, video music awards yeah. at, uh, at Radio City, you know, and they closed off 51st Street and it was a big, long red carpet. 
and Trump pulled up, you know, because he wanted to go to the VMAs. I think Ivanka was his date. And I'm not kidding. Like literally Ivanka, teenage Ivanka was his date. And he gets out of the limo and he's waving at everybody. And I'm standing next to a cop and I'm like, oh my God, Donald Trump, you know, because you grow up in the 80s is like this cartoon character, you know? And he goes, you never met him before? And I said, no. And he goes, oh dude, I used to be on his security detail. That guy's the biggest poon hound in New York City. Really? Me for, he goes, He goes. he's out every night in the clubs trying to bang models, bro, and getting high. Like he, that dude is a player. You know, the cop was saying it like it was kind of a cool, funny thing. And this was, this guy was a patrol cop. You know what I mean? Yeah. This guy was in uniform yeah. guarding like a public event. Fine. He, I mean, if that's what he wanted to do as a businessman, a reality right. show star, right. whatever, it's, it's, you know, all, right. all the power to him, but he you know, put a exactly. lot of effort into it. It was well, a lot. Right. And that, that's what my point is that that was public knowledge. Like right. Nobody took Trump seriously. He was a socialite. Trump right. would have rather been famous. You know, he is famous, but, you know, he would have rather have been some sort of celebrity than president, I think. You know, I call it the Citadel. I call the New York a Citadel. It's like you go in, you're surrounded by all these other rich and powerful people. You get to hang out with them in all the parties and you get to see them all the time. You learn secrets about them. But there is this sort of rule that no one talks about the people inside the Citadel to anybody outside the Citadel. If there are secrets, there are secrets and you're not meant to share those secrets outside. And so, you know, news anchors can be gay for 20 years and not have to come out of the closet because it's a secret that we all just held for whatever reason. I was um, looking the other night at my old spy magazines from the 80s. My mom gave me a subscription in, I was in high school, so I was 16 and I had no idea. We lived in New Jersey and I had no idea who half of the people in the magazine were. But man, they are relentless. They were relentless attacking Trump. Every issue, they, they just hit him and hit him and hit him. And remember, it, it was uh, Graydon Carter, I think, who who wrote the short-fingered Bulgarian bit. Yes. And the line that makes him so crazy. Like, that's from Spy Magazine. And that was a long time ago, you know? Right. So he, he's been um, the object of ridicule for, for, for quite some time. Um, I right. lived in New York City for 10 years. I don't know that it's a citadel as much as all that, but there is kind of an unspoken rule, which I don't know if it's the same, even in Los Angeles, where there's a lot of tourists, more tourists, I think, and people spread out. When you see a celebrity in, in New York, you leave them alone. You don't engage, you don't go bother them at dinner because it's uncool and you're in New York and you're a New Yorker and you're cool. So you have yeah. to like leave them be. So I think it's more that than anything else um, in terms of the Citadel thing. Is, and also, sort of because it's such a concentrated yeah. space, like Manhattan is really small, yeah. and there's only so yeah. many restaurants and places to go, you do, yeah. sometimes you just see people just walking down the street, and you're like, wow, that's so-and-so, and they're just walking down the street like I am, and okay, it's fine. I mean, I don't yeah, think Trump that in my, don't in my have time. They don't have Yorkers time. don't have time, but they, don't, they do keep they each other's secrets. They don't have time to mess around with. If you, you only get to stay in the club if you keep everyone's secrets. Like you don't, the minute you start spilling right. secrets about people inside the club, you're no longer part of it. You don't, you don't get invited. So, you know, the access to the parties and to all these, um, you know, fancy events and the access to all these other celebrities comes with a sort of an unspoken agreement that you'll keep their secret secret. Um, and that's how I think we landed up with a Donald Trump, you know, being who he is and the rest of the world not finding out about it until yeah. he became president. 
That, you know, well, that's an excellent point. I mean, Truman Capote was cast out of New York society for spilling right, the secret, right. you know, and, and that same society is what Trump aspired to be. You know, he was a kid from Queens who was never accepted, but he wanted to hang out with the Astors. You know, he mm -hmm. wanted to hang out with Peggy Guggenheim, you know, and that's I lived in Carnegie Hill. I mean, that's my neighborhood in the city. And, it, you know, it's a very small world, you know, when you take from, you know, if Trump is further down fifth, but, you know, all of these characters that we see on the on the national stage now all lived in one small area, you know, right. like a two square mile. And you'd see them all. You'd see Geraldo. Yeah. You'd see, you know, you'd see Sam Nunberg. You'd see Roger Stone around town, you know. And and these guys, and the, you know, I know the Weinstein brothers. Like they just, these were like, these are my neighbors. It still right. freaks me out seeing them on you know, where they've, they've fallen. And keeping those secrets is also what allowed this to happen for so long. Yeah, I mean, it's, it works for them. Yeah. It doesn't work for the rest of us because you, you know, right. here we are with, the, with Trump. So one of the biggest things you revealed about Trump is, is the drug use. You did it in a, in a, in a spectacularly public way. Um, tell us a little bit about what made you say what you did and to the, tell us about the story of, of telling the world about that. Well, you know, I'll just say, you know, it's not about the he's an active drug user you know he uses he crushes adderall that's his maintenance high i've seen him do it i've seen him fly out of his nose you know i've but and he's done cocaine he does coke at parties that also was not a secret you know and ever since i came out about it people no, come it up to not. me right that's you know that goes way back both coasts, but both the, coasts the, knew that right exactly but the point in revealing like if he could do his job and still did, did drugs I wouldn't say anything about it. You know, I used to tour with rock bands. I took mm. care of septuagenarian drug addicts for a living. Like if you can do <laughs> the gig, I'm not judging you. Yeah. So my point isn't like, ooh, drugs are bad. You know, I have my own history with that stuff. My point is if you know anything about addiction, the underlying mental state of an active addict is one of self-centeredness, you know, and mm. vindictiveness and seething resentment. And that's what you would see in Trump, you know? so despite the fact that he's using these illegal drugs, it's the, the, the syndrome of addiction, you know, the disease of being an active mental mm -hmm. addic addiction that scares me the most. And that's why I chose to speak out. And I did it in a, I was telling people about it and, you know, I didn't have much of a reach. So I went into stand-up comedy because I was like, well, it's a way to, to talk about it and a way to, to sort of like, it was therapy for me as an artist, you know, because I was a performer and an actor, and I was like, I just got to get this off my chest. I got to sure, tell right. you guys what you're dealing with. You know, I traveled the world with like David Crosby. You know, I worked with the Stones. Like, I've been around rock stars. This guy's the craziest drug addict I've ever met wow. in my life, and I'm not, I'm not saying that mildly. If if you get my point and you really understand addiction, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not always doing a little coke with models. He's thinking about himself all day long. And right. that's what you see in his tweets. It's all resentment. It's all self-centered fear. It's all me, me, me. The last thing you want in a leader is somebody who's thinking about himself. You, right. you want a leader who's like, this is about you guys, not me. You know, how can I help you? Trump's only about himself. And, and I'll, I'll shut up. But the reason I really went public with it is the guy I know would 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 drop a bomb to save face. The guy mm -hmm. I know is so detached from reality that if he thought he was going to be publicly embarrassed, I could see him literally like starting a war. And we're kind of seeing that now. Well, we have so, seen it. I mean, we saw right. some sociopathic behavior from him all along. Right. Like Coming every time, 
every time exactly. he can, he'll distract no matter what. And it does all seem to be revolve around him. It's, it's hard to, you know, I don't want to psychoanalyze somebody, but it's hard to tell whether the, the, the drugs were treating the socio the sociopathic uh, tendencies or the other way around. But, you know, one of those might have been a, a precursor to the other. Um, so there, you decided to do this in public, in like a, a comedy show. You were doing comedy routines or? Yeah, yeah. I was how doing did it go down? How did it, like, did the, what were people like when you were out there saying all the stuff they react with? They were like, oh my God, that totally makes sense. Like, right. I get it, you know? And then they'd wait around after the gig. I would do it at Gotham's and Caroline and stuff. And Caroline's. And they'd be like, is that true? And I'm like, 100% true. And I wow. tell people, like, you see it for yourself. That's why he's sniffing in the debates. I mean, that sniffing is from sniffing it back up. If you, wow. if you look at the side of his nose, you can see where he had a septoplasty because he blew out. He did so much coke that he blew out, like, the inside oh. lining of his nose. You'll see the big scar right there. Wow. And I would tell people, like, if you don't believe me, go look for yourself. You know, go look at the evidence yourself of the guy you see in front of you. But, uh, yeah, it is. And, well, and, you, would, and uh, you can't get a job in, in America and a lot of companies if you don't have, if you have a drug test, but apparently you can be the, uh, the president of the United States. Right. And let me just make this other point. You know, I live on the Upper East Side and like, I know a lot of people that have had drug problems, you know, and, um, I, I don't use any drugs anymore. I've had my own history with that, you know, so I'm somebody who's in recovery. You know, I don't talk about that stuff publicly, but I'm in recovery. So I know a lot of people on the Upper East Side that got their drugs from the guy who gave Trump his drugs. And that's Dr. Mm. Bornstein. You know, he was known as a Dr. Feelgood on the Upper East Side. And that's why the first thing Trump did when he became president was send Keith Schiller, you know, and another yes, guy, right. possibly Matthew Calamari, mm. to Dr. Bornstein's right. office. I remember that. They yeah, cleared out everything. And they took his medical records. Right. Right. And that wasn't because he has high cholesterol. You know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't because of his and, uh, right, alopecia right. drugs it or whatever it was. It wasn't the Valtrex. Taking. Are you sure it wasn't the Valtrex? It, the Valtrex might be cut. Some of it. He's, he's, yeah, he's a Valtrex user as well. But, uh, but so, you know. Um, speaking of oh, Schiller, he is part oh, of our game that I, I want to play with you tonight. I was somewhat joking. I was somewhat joking. Somewhat. Somewhat. <laughs> The game I want to play is called Real or Trump. I'm going to show you a few things, and you just have to tell us whether it's real or Trump. Oh, you know, it's the rough game. Up, uh, this is so new. Could it be yeah, both? No, I just could it did be... it a few minutes ago, so it's a little rough. Is it real? Could it be real and Trump? Because that's his Twitter handle, real Donald Trump. Oh, it's right? so true. It can yeah. be. Well done. Well spotted. Yeah. So the first one here is um, is about whether it's true, or sorry, whether it's real or Trump, that The Apprentice saved Donald Trump's fortunes. That's true. It is just, yeah. so, so tell yeah. us when and when how that happened. We're talking about well, he had blown his money. You know, he'd blown his father's inheritance. You know, so by the time Mark Burnett came to him, he had blown the four hundred million dollars through his bad investments and his properties that were failing, and needed a paycheck. So when Mark Burnett came and NBC gave him that paycheck, that was like the first real paycheck they had in a long time. That's why he got all his kids involved. They right. they would like ask for per deals. You know That's what I the mean? most money he's ever made, really, on a, exactly. on a real, Easily. like a real basis. Yeah. Easily. And when they, went, when they went the first season, my friends were like the production guys and audio guys on The Apprentice. I worked on the celebrity version, which came about later. But when they went to film the first season of, of The Apprentice in like 2003 or four, they went to his office and all the furniture and everything was so ratty that they had to buy, you know, rent furniture from a prop company to make it look like the guy was actually a billionaire and a big shot. 
I was going to ask you about that. It's like the, was the helicopter in that in that sequence real at the beginning? Was it his the helicopter? helicopter yeah. Just, the just helicopter the... was real. You know. Oh, okay. So yeah. at least he had that. No, he um, had the helicopter. He had things with his name on the side. Right. Right. But he didn't have cash flow. You know, right. he was sort of property rich, name rich. You know, because most of his properties are licensing deals, but cash poor. And like the, that's what he took a star deduction on his income tax every year in New York City. If you know what that is, you have to make less than $500,000 to qualify for a star deduction. Wow. It has to do with the public schools. He would take it every year. And when he got busted, he would say it was a mistake and then he would take it again. Wow. You know, there's, no, there's nothing too petty for, for him. And, and he's like, you know, he's just, he's a fraud. You know, as you're seeing now, it's just, it's just that look. So that, that, that you, did you get that from my Twitter? I, I, I happened to stalk your Twitter accounts a little bit today okay. and your Instagram. That, you know, that, it's good let me, let me, let me tell you about that. That, that hangs in 8H. In SNL, if you've ever been where they film SNL at yeah. NBC Rock Center, yeah. the hallways have pictures of all the hosts that this woman, Marianne, I believe is her name, took throughout yeah. the years. So if anyone's ever hosted, you get your picture on the thing. So that's Trump's picture from when he hosted, but he made them Photoshop his hand. If you see how large well, his hand looks. He does have a very good, large yeah. hand there. Yeah. So this is a Trump. This is not a real, this is a, this is a Trump because of the hand, we will say. Right. It's a real but photo, a real, but a Trump hand. That okay. photo, if, if you go just to the right of the pages yeah. desk, just down the hallway, that yeah. photo's on your left about four well, in. I wonder how they photoshopped. It looks pretty good for Photoshop, actually. Um, it and does. it does look like a like a normal size hand, which is a good thing, I guess, for him. This yeah. is on the um, this is on the opening of the Apprentice. There's all these companies that are listed that apparently people in the Apprentice could work for if they or could own or run. I don't know how they did it if they won the Apprentice. So in this case, it, there was a company called Capital Edge Corporation. Is this is this a real or a Trump? That looks like a Trump to me. Looks like a Trump. Does anyone else recognize this name? It looks like Cyrillic yeah, letters. Like, like I, I think if I'm blurry, it looks you know almost like it's Russian. No, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't. <laughs> it's possible. Um, okay, two more. Uh, this one I'm really interested in. So here is a picture. Wait, what your, is it? Is it real or Trump? That was I. I would say it's a Trump, but and I think uh, Noel said it was a Trump too. Trump. Yeah, I don't think he really owned those companies. He was just like, well, no. one one of my companies, but it wasn't really them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he doesn't have any companies. There's well, like five people that worked in his office. Well, that's what he, I think he was trying to get away with the idea that he that you could you run oh, Apple Edge Corporation if you wanted to. Right. Calamari, like <laughs> exactly. So this is a photo from your Instagram that you took at yeah, one yeah. of the Apprentice finale tapings, I think. And yep. if you look closely on the left-hand side is Kurt Schiller. You were just talking about him earlier on, and he was for a while the president's sort of head of security. And what, what do you think he's doing over there? Well, I know what he's doing because I was there <laughs> and I took the photograph. And that is, that, that's our, our final home the last three seasons was the Museum of Natural History. And ironically, the Lefrac Theater. Richie Lefrac <laughs> right. is, a, is a good friend of Trump's. But so if you know the Museum of Natural History, the, the ground floor is like where they have the IMAX theater and all that. So we film that there. That's Keith pulling a blonde. You know, he's pulling right. that blonde to bring her to the after party for, for his boss. So Trump used to send out Kurt Schiller to go and get these blondes and yeah. literally from the crowd pointing at her there saying, come yeah. on, get, yeah. get her. That's, that's get for the her. boss tonight. Wow. Exactly, oh. which is what, you know, which is what they used to do in the rock and roll business. And they stopped doing before my time, but it's called a pull. That's it's called the a technical pull? term. It's, it's got an pull. actual term. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a pull. It's an industry term. It is. You might, might still do it. Who knows? You might still show up at his, maybe that's why he likes to go on the road so much. He's like to, you oh, know. Oh, 100%. Uh, 
That's why he goes to Mar-a-Lago. That's why he's in Bedminster because he doesn't like the people around him. You know, right. there's too many eyes in D.C. He's not right. bringing. They're not doing any polls at the White House. You know, but this is uh, the least likeliest person in the world who you think would want to be president of the United States. Like he, list the, yeah. he just does not feel, feel like he fits the role at all. Did he ever talk about politics? I mean, did he ever come across as someone who was interested yeah. in politics? It was just like power and greed. Here's the one thing he did is that he would walk around like he was president even back then. And like that, right there, that that where we shot there, we had the after party at like a a ballroom that's connected to the the Museum of Natural History, and it's up a flight of stairs. Yeah, yeah. It's like a big one, right? So when this ended, you know, half an hour later, the party would start. Trump would wait out in the hallway until all the celebrities got into the party. And there's celebrities. I'm talking like Tom Green. It wasn't mm. like Beyonce was there. You know what I mean? It was like. Museum, you know, it was like a print celebrity apprentice on a Sunday night in like May, you know, yeah. so it was like Talk. celebrities, <laughs> a real loose term, you know, yeah. but Trump would wait by himself with with Keith and a couple other bodyguards until the room was packed and then he'd want to make a grand entrance. So he'd walk in with those guys doing like a phalanx in front of him. Like it was like they were secret service and he would walk in, you know, with his head up in the air like everybody was going to turn. And be yeah. like, wow, look, the president's so, in the room. But he, he, he never likes this it. pump and ceremony of it all more than he exactly. likes. Did, did they stop and turn? Does he have no, that sort of natural charisma? No, he doesn't. You <laughs> laughed because you'd already just seen him. The only <laughs> celebrity. <laughs> right? It was literally it was like, another entrance. <laughs> right, it's like we just spent four hours with you trying to get through this taping while you kept. We had to stop down because of whatever technical difficulties. That's he fantastic. But I mean, contrast with he, the la on the last dance, the Michael Jordan thing. There's these. It was like when that guy walked into a room, you could sense it, even before oh. you saw him. You knew he was there, right. and he had yes. this and has this incredible charisma. So then, yes. which. Just to be clear, Trump does not that. have. Right. Yeah, and he I've met Don, and yeah, I've met Jordan. Like Jordan does have charisma. Bill Clinton yeah. has that kind of charisma. Yes, you know, Obama does. has that in spades. President yeah. Obama is like, boom, you're turning and looking at that guy. Yeah. And he's you not. You can feel it. Right. You can. Right. It's like a, a, a negative. It's the negative space that you Einstein talked it. about. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, right. It's got and information he, going in there. You, you can feel when these people are in the room or when absolutely. they're coming. And you can you can feel it, and if you are someone who has has some kind of charisma or anything like that, you get can get a sense of that. So, um, and if you're around it, you, there's no there's no not feeling it. Right. Um, so he's been Donald's been around enough uh, in his life and his social circles. He's been around enough celebrity and and sort of legendary people. He's put himself in situations where he can be around them, that he he's sensed that. Uh, there's no way you cannot have that experience of that energy. And I assume just really coveted that, like really he, wanted he, that for himself. He, 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 he did, but you can't fake that, you know? And I've been around yeah. a lot of that too. And there's people that'll play that up. Michael Jackson would make you lock down the hallways when he would walk through. And I would have to tell like right. you two at the VMAs, they had to stand down because Michael was coming by. You know, I don't want to get in trouble, but you know, like other famous female don't singers have, yeah, have, have done that kind of stuff and it's manufactured and you sense it. 
the people yeah. that have it naturally, like I've worked with Springsteen, you know, Bruce Springsteen, that oh guy emanates yeah. this energy. Yeah. And he'll put on a baseball hat and try to blend in. Because when you really have it, you know how attractive it is and you want to defuse it in public situations. Right. You don't want people right. looking at you. If you really got it, you can't turn it off and you want to hide it. You yeah, know, cause you don't like, necessarily want people coming at you all the time in the way that- never do. Yeah. And, and, and they also the, the real pros, in my experience in that business, is the real pros were always the people that you were like down to earth and really able, you were able to talk to and deal with. It's the sort of the people who weren't really putting the attention into the work that were so into glamorizing themselves and getting all that attention. That's very that's, astute. Yeah. yeah. So by the way, we're on Periscope. If anyone wants to uh, join with questions. There's someone saying, who did drugs with him? Name names. <laughs> 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 that's not gonna happen. That's like, we're not gonna do that. Well, uh, I mean, it's up know. to Noel. Who did drugs with him? Who did drugs? Oh, oh, they were talking about the people in the city. Yeah. That's like people that would come up to me in like Central Park and be like, I still have, you know, marks on my coffee table from when Trump yeah. came over, you know, doctors and people that lived right. in Park Avenue. If you want a good drug story, though, a friend of mine who works in this same business was the transportation guy. You know, and when you do one of these events, you know, you know, people come out and get in their SUV and they drive and then they tell our department, OK, we're ready for, you know, Kid Rock, okay, bring out Kid Rock yeah. or whoever, you know, and you keep it moving. That's what the transportation coordinator does. So my buddy is like, owns the limo company. He's one of the transportation coordinators. And we we're doing a show in 2002 called VH1 Fashion Rocks. Yeah. It was, it was called Fashion Rocks. Yeah, I remember Fashion Rocks. They used to go to those right. things. Yeah, it was right, CBS exactly. thing. They, yeah. were, they were kind of fun, you know. And uh, so Trump came one year and there's actually footage of him hitting on one of the models on the red carpet while he has a pregnant Melania, I believe, next to him. You can look that up. Yeah. But when he, at the end of that show, he came out and got in a limo with a bunch of models and started doing lines in the back of the limo, yeah. but wouldn't pull out of the alley. You know, it was being shot at like the armory or something. Yeah. So, so the guy, my buddy's like, hey, can you just move? And he's like, no, I'm not going anywhere. And he's just it's sitting too busy there doing like, my lines. Get out of my way. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to park yeah. here. Like, I'm getting high with all of these course, lines. Yeah. And it's like, don't, don't you know care. who I am? Just, <laughs> right, do it down the block so we can bring in the next empty car and empty this building out. You know? So but, tell me, um, you, this is around the time Melania and him met, right? You were sort of the guy looking after him when Melania and him must have been introduced to each other. No, I mean, I first met him in the 90s on, on okay. beauty pageants before Melania came in the picture. She was already married to him and they already had a kid by the time I started doing The Celebrity Apprentice, which was late 2000s, 2007. Right. I will tell you that there's no love loss between the two of them. You know, no? she shows up kind of separately. They look at each other sort of with daggers. She stands back. You know, she's there for the photo op and then she's out of there. It's just That's work for her. It's just work. Yeah, it's a contractual obligation. And was it different I don't know if to... I believe that because they, they really look very happy. They look so <laughs> natural together. They, I mean, yeah. you know. They're probably, they're know. probably <laughs> snuggling right now in Bedminster. <laughs> so tell me a well, little... Go ahead. Hang on a second. So yeah. I, I don't want to just skate over that. So you said that you worked with him uh, in the pageants? In the the pageants, yeah, the beauty pageants. That was my first experience with Trump. And that's when he would line up all the girls. And, you know, that's when he was really like unfettered, really disgusting Trump because he owned the pageant. There wasn't, you know, way, way, way pre Me Too. 
Do you know what I mean? Like mm. the 90s yeah. were almost oh, like the Wild yeah. West. So you must have viewed the pageants. I'm aware of that era. Right. <laughs> you must aware. have viewed the pageants as sort of I'm a personal hunting era. ground. Like just for him, it must have been just, a, I've got a candy jar here and I'm, I'm going to get to whatever a, I want. That's exactly what it was. And that's how he had a clause and all the thing that he could pick the winner. You know, that, mm. that, that like he would get the ultimate say on who won the thing. So he would line up the girls and he did this the first year he did this, you know, cameramen are sitting around disgusted. You know, yes. and I'll, I'll tell this one story like, you know, it's cost a lot of money to film a television show, yep. you know, a live show. you got all these union guys on set, cameramen. Yeah, on location, that's a multi-million dollar thing. Yeah, it's a fortune. You know, yeah. an hour is costing you, you know, 100, you know, 500 million dollars. Right. Mm. So Trump comes out and lines up all these girls and takes an hour inspecting them, sticking her fingers in their mouth, checking their teeth, all this stuff, walking up and down the line. Cameramen are disgusted. You know, they're That's going home gross. and telling their wives, like, you won't believe this creep. You know, he'd pick but out his favorite. Nobody stopped him? Nobody no, stopped nobody him. Nobody say anything. Nope. What are you going to say? Right? Hey, Isn't that amazing good. that no one says anything? Yeah, it is. But look, the guy's got NYPD security detail with him. His name is on the pageant. Yeah. You know what I mean? He wasn't assaulting them in front of you. Yeah. He was just displaying what? really boorish. But let me just finish. He was displaying really boorish behavior in an industry which allowed that. If you're the rich famous guy, you know, a lot of people knew what Harvey Weinstein was doing too. Yeah. You know what I mean? People are there oh, to get do. their seven. Yeah. yeah. They're there to get same with this gig. Yeah. You know, they know what he's yeah. doing. Right. But let me just show you how it becomes normalized. So he does that the first year. It wastes an hour of very expensive union time. Right. The DGA, you know, the director sitting in the truck, the ages, people are disgusted. They go home and tell their wives about it. When the next year rolls around and it's time to film, film, you know, the, the pageant finale, when you look at the production schedule, there's a stop down. Trump inspects the pageant, you know, Trump inspects the contestants. No crew call needed. No crew's there. So they, 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 this is how they normalize it. They built it into the production schedule so you wouldn't have the cameramen show up until that ended. Right. So you weren't having to do their start time and losing an hour of union labor. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's just, shocking. That's I even did. worse, I you did. know. And they then could, it just continued for That means they knew about it years. and they still didn't do anything about it. Right. But how well, old were they, the pageant look, people? Is this the Teen America thing, or are this this the regular Miss Universe? Okay, well, but okay. Miss Teen was fourteen to seventeen. Miss yeah. Teen USA, which his daughter hosted at six when she was sixteen and stuff. And there's some disgusting footage of that. I mean, if you see how she was just ogled on the camera and Trump mm. looking at her with pride as this guy's hitting on her. There's a great clip. You should look it up. When yeah, she I'll definitely look at that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I'm gonna pass. I've seen enough of this. <laughs> there are. There's a lot of pictures of yeah. her, of the two of them, that are really disturbing. That you can't help that, but think. And well, I saw all that. You know yeah. that that is a very twisted. This is like Game of Thrones situation. Mm. You know, and she runs it behind the scenes. She runs the show. She knows how to manipulate Daddy. I always tell people Trump wants to get high. He wants music to play when he walks in the room, and he wants to hit on girls. Right. You know, Trump is in into what is going to satisfy his narcissistic needs in that moment. You know, that guy's not thinking, he's not a long game player. He's like, how do I feel good right now? Right. How does that hot blonde come over here and hit on me or I hit on her and all the other men admire me and think I'm powerful? Like that's the extent of his psyche. So what you're Jared saying is kind of crazy. I mean, when you think about it, if, she, if she's got the power and she's, you know, she's in the White House, is she really running the ship in there? I mean, it seems like it's so much disarray that she might be. 
I mean, maybe through her husband, Jared, but still. The two of them, they're a team, yeah. you know, and, and I met them before they were, they were dating, they broke up, then they got married. They're a team. And while Trump is out there being crazy and keeping us all distracted on Twitter all day, they're doing their things. You right. know, you know, Jim right. lost, you know, you know, this triple six Fifth Avenue, you know, right. Cutter bought his dead out. Right. right. When Jared and Ivanka were dating, Jared was out of there. Trump would call him the Jew. You know, is the Jew here yet? Like wow. he didn't want any part of that. You know, they got back together like at the his, behest of like when, daddy, when, right? Right. Like Wendy Dang Murdoch is the one who put them back together after they broke up. It was like, you know, Wendy Dang Murdoch, who's married to Rupert Murdoch. And a Chinese you know, spy, by all accounts. Like, rumored and, and rumored to born? be Putin's girlfriend, right? Yeah. Got them right. back together. All of a sudden, they're married now. We're probably in season two or three. We shot it at Skirball, which is down at NYU, right? The after party was at Trump Soho, which was never really in Soho. Right. <laughs> it was like North of Houston or whatever, but Trump no, insisted. No, I know. It was like, right. calling it Soho, yeah, it was but not, it wasn't there. But, right. But anyway, that season's after party was there after right. the taping. Oh, right? wow. All right. Who, who was there? No. Felix, who was there? Felix Sater. Felix Sater, who had right. Trump Organization business cards, and I watched. And he worked the room with Jared and Ivanka. And the entire audience was like Russian mobster types. You know, right. it was like our cast, you know, our, our invited audience for the actual taping was all these like Russian dudes with like women with fur coats. And it was like the end of May. That's interesting. You know what I mean? So that, that was used as an incentive to bring people in to buy condos at the, at the Trump Soho, the apprentice after party, was that? I mean, that's well, kind what, of- well, what I observed was Felix making introductions with Jared and Ivanka to this yeah. room full of Russians, to a lot of, or a disproportionate amount of Russians. I shouldn't say it's all Russians, but I saw what looked like business being done, if you know how that kind of business is yeah. done. You know, so while Trump is being this buffoon in the background, these guys, as I said earlier, were Working looking the at the long game. You know, they so were seeing how can we use this. There, there was an investigation they into them. For, they, were, they were investigated by Cyrus Vance, I think, at the time. And, they, and that's what that $25,000 payoff went to exactly. Vance's campaign because he was going to charge them for, you know, overestimating the number of sales yeah. that that they were um, achieving at that place, at that uh, Trump, Trump Soho. And the entire place was built basically by Kazakhi money, you know, because uh, from right. a bank in Kazakhstan, that was basically yeah. funneled through a whole bunch of people and landed up in Trump's, in Trump's right. pocket. So that's how and, the right. thing was financed. And they also strong-armed the historical side when, when they built it. When it, it was built on the site of an old church that was an abolitionist church, and there was a right. lot of escaped freed slaves that were in that ground. Yeah. And they built it basically on ground that was filled with the remains of, of freed slaves that had made it to the north. And it was a real historical society issue. And they were supposed to, you know, get permitting and all this stuff. And they just strong armed it, which is an interesting aside if you think about who yeah. the man is. Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. And check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe and download. Mm-hmm.